Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Don't Walk Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you, people, and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 352, I get to bring back on the show my friend, Katie Orr. There is no command in scripture that says, go have a quiet time. Yeah. There is no command in scripture that actually even says, go read the Bible. The commands are, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you'll be able to go do it. Oh, y'all, in a world of increasing chaos, we are craving certainty. And maybe you know the answer lies in some good disciplines. Maybe you have some goals for 2022, like daily time with God. But how can you step into that habit of studying God's word with consistency and success when it seems like our daily rhythms are upside down? I have invited Katie Orr back on the show. She came in 2015, episode 101, to talk to us about turning this Bible study should into a vibrant, life-giving way to get God's word into your heart, to connect with God, to know him. And in this episode, we're going to talk through the stops on Katie's Bible Study Boulevard. There is a real quick quiz on her website that we've linked to in the show notes that can help you figure out where you are on your Bible study journey, what kind of tools you need to help you develop this habit and connect with God more. Also in the show notes, we have a link to Katie's online community, biblestudyhub.com. And she's so sweet. She is offering Don't Mom Alone listeners a special on her five days to better Bible study challenge. We have that link in the show notes. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Katie, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am so excited to be here, Heather. Oh, my goodness. It's been a while. It has been a while. I mean, years. Not that I expect for you to bring me on like every month or something like that. (laughs) But it's been so cool to see what God has done through you and through your faithfulness in this podcast. So, okay, well, let me do some tooting over on your horn because (laughs) y'all, I think we have to recognize we each play a role in other people's lives and we don't know the ripple effect, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know the ripple effect. And with Katie and I, I met her through online stuff eons ago, Mm -hmm. 13 years, 14 years, and was so inspired by her dedication to God's word and her focus on getting women in God's word. And I was just like this Katie or she's amazing. And then I got to meet her in person at one of those blogging conferences. And we just continued a friendship through a little mastermind group and fast forward all the years. And when I wanted to start a podcast instead of working on a book that I thought I was going to write then, she was like, she totally helped me. You totally helped me set it up. And it's such a gift. And then we did a full circle, come back here. And I've had moms reach out and ask for help about reading their Bibles, whether they grew up in the church, whether they didn't, whether they were of a different faith background, and now they are following Jesus, they want to know. And sometimes it's hard to ask because there's like this assumption you should know. Mm -hmm. 
So I'd love to one on one a little bit, a little bit mm-hmm. on why do we read God's word? What is what's the point? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's a question I think we often skip. We just assume I should, which is a good should. I don't like a lot of the shoulds that we get in our Christian world, <laughs> but that is a good should. Yes. It's a yes. Good should. A believer. I want to put it this way more. A believer should enjoy God's word. And that can be different than reading. There's lots of elements to that. It absolutely includes our eyeballs on the page. But I think we, I don't think, I know the Bible tells us this is God's words to us. There are things that we can learn about God through the Bible that we cannot learn anywhere else. It's the difference Mm -hmm. between the general revelation of God that we can see when we stand you know, on the beach and we just go, Oh my gosh, I'm so little, you know, you have that sense, or if you've been to the grand Canyon or someplace like that on top of a mountain, and you just think I am so small, somebody had to have created this. We have that innate sense that there's something bigger than us, but we don't know who that is without the word of God. So we must be in the word of God because it is God's special revelation to us. It tells us who he is, what his plan is and what our role in who he is and not, we don't have a role in who he is, but a role in his plan. Like, how does that affect me? That is all told to us in scripture. His character, his promises, it's not even done yet. The last Mm -hmm. chapter hasn't even finished being revealed. Like it's written, but the actual events have not happened. And so we find ourselves in the story, but the story is actually about God. And it gives us some centering, which with all we've gone through the last two years, if there's any time we need truth of something greater than ourselves, that a being who is in control and Mm -hmm. who isn't worried despite the evil or surprised or surprised. surprised. I think sometimes I think a God like that, like, oh gosh, he didn't know this was, he's, he's kind of like, shuffling, wait, like trying to figure out COVID, oh, no, what do we do what? here. <laughs> COVID, what? Masks, what? Vaccines, what? So yeah, no, he knows and he's not surprised. And often we blame him for hard things. And we have to see over and over in scripture that there's a bigger story going on. And he's actually the soft place to land because hard things will happen. It's not an if, it's a win. And each unique storyline, each person in the Bible and their unique experience with God, yet he's the same. So then Mm -hmm. I have a story that's different from Katie's and yet we have the same God and we find connection and relationship and oneness and community because even if our storylines are different and our kids are different and our motherhood journeys are different, we are loved by the same God. And he doesn't change. Amen. So this special revelation is in a book. (laughs) And how we got that book, that's like a whole episode in itself. Um, Yes. yes. And there have been, I'm sure you can find a podcast on that if you wanted to. But we wanted to talk about for a second, the expectations we often hold for ourselves. Like we don't consider when it comes to studying the Bible. Tell me, tell me yeah. what more about that. Yeah. I think that before we get into the how of Bible study, we need to figure out the where, and I don't mean necessarily like, where are you going to open your Bible, but where are you in your journey? Where are you in your stage of life? 
where are you in what God is doing in and through you? Because that will help you answer the question, how do you study? There certainly are general, basic, they call it biblical hermeneutics, you know, just 101, like, let's do this the right way. There are right versus maybe not the greatest ways to study the Bible, but we got to figure out where we are so that we can manage our expectations because yes, this is going to take effort. Yes, this is going to be hard on many levels. Uh, both of us are in maybe different stages of life than we absolutely are than when we first met or we're like drowning in babies you know, <laughs> and like, you know, could just barely get dinner on the table. And we're in, we were just talking before this, how we have, we both have a driver now and how much that changes, but it still takes effort for me to get in the word of God today yeah. and tomorrow and on and on. So there, it's going to take effort, but we also need to keep in mind our stage of life, our unique journey. Baby steps, I think, are critical. And so many times we go, I want to study the Bible. I'm going to, this is going to be the year that I take <laughs> control of my spiritual life. And we, we make these huge lofty goals, which goals are good. And I would say between making no goal and making a lofty goal, make that lofty goal because you're still going to take a couple of steps forward than if you had not made the goal. But I think we can set ourselves up for success better if we look at where we are. So for example, and I use a tool called the Bible study Boulevard as a bit of a, a, an assessment tool that you guys can see on my website. We'll give you a link to that later. But if I have not been regularly showing up to read the Bible for the past month, then I probably need to set a goal that is going to help me show up and read the Bible for the next week, maybe three times this next week. And maybe it's three verses for three minutes, three times this week. Like that is a good goal. We tend to see this Bible study thing as all or nothing. Like there's some that are more holy than others or better than others. I like to think of it like a chocolate. Most of us like chocolate. I'm sure there's a small percentage of people that are listening that do not like chocolate. And for you weirdos, you can think of something else that you really like besides chocolate. If we saw a little bite-sized chocolate or whatever our favorite treat is in a bowl at somebody's house, it's like inviting you. Here's a little bite-sized chocolate. Most of us are going to pick that up unless we got some dietary, whatever, you know, we're going <laughs> to pick it up. We're not going to look at it and go, you know, little, little bitty. I like like score or uh, Heath bars and stuff like that. I'm not going to look at it and go little bitty Heath bar. You're not a king size Heath bar. So I'm not going to eat you. Right. right? right. We're going to take the bite. And I think we need to treat the Bible that way. And so, especially if you are in a season where you feel like you can't even get a shower by yourself, let alone open the Bible, take what you can get and enjoy it and quit looking at what you're not doing and just look at what you are doing and be grateful for it. And that's part of that. Where, yeah. where am I? If you are barely, like I said, trying to get a shower in, then trying to set a goal for opening your Bible for an hour with all the colored pencils and the burning candles. Sorry, you're going to fail at that. <laughs> you're just going to fail at that. Well, and I think what I, when I've talked to moms who have a couple little kids or they're just newer to the motherhood journey and they are people of faith that have been in God's word for a long time, or maybe they found Jesus in college, they grieve mm. what feels like a step back in this depth of study, or they know they know the intimacy they can have yeah. with Jesus and they're just feeling really distant, like God's yeah. too far or it's on them or they're failing. 
And so to recognize that expectation and this season is not going to be your forever. But I think what was great for me was the invitation that instead of it being this set aside time, that hour and a half and that deep study and that quiet prayer and contemplation and Mm -hmm. silence and listening, it was a invitation to bring God into my chaos. And it was this Mm -hmm. like, okay, how do I find God here while my kids are losing it and I'm at the end of myself (laughs) and it's not like God's not there too. And so it, to me, was a challenge in my faith to take a step up and say, okay, how can I get that one verse in the morning or that smaller piece, that, that little piece of chocolate and savor it and have it sitting Mm -hmm. on the counter and have it something that I dwell on and meditate on. And I, I pray throughout the day and like, how can I let God show himself up in, you know, his, his word is living and active right. and it doesn't return void. All these things are promises to us. And so it can multiply Absolutely. in my life, but it was, a, it, I will acknowledge for myself that my faith shifted and changed and God's word had a different role when the kids were little. Mm-hmm. And then, it, and then I could go back to like a Bible study fellowship where you have these huge, you know, books of the Bible that you're going really deep into and studying. Yeah. So we're talking about habits and I'll tell you a habit I had that is, I mean, it's a little embarrassing, but maybe you can relate. When I would go to shave my legs, I would always grab my husband's razor and poor thing. Like, I think I was dulling it, but his razor was so much better than mine. And I was jealous. I felt like I didn't really have a good razor. Well, when Athena Club reached out to me and they offered me to try their razors, I was like, well, it's worth a shot since I've been stealing Bruce's. I'll tell you what, they are fantastic. And maybe Bruce is stealing mine. I don't know. I don't know. I have to ask him. What I love beyond the fact that it has built-in skin guards and great, just a great cut, it's only $9. It comes with two blade heads. It has a magnetic hook to store in your shower, and it's kind of fun. You get to choose the handle color. They have six different color options. I chose the pink with the rose gold because pink is my color right now. I also love they sent me their cloud shave foam. It feels like I'm having a luxury experience. It's so great. It It is nourishing, especially winter, so dry. Um, so if you want to show your skin some care with the Athena Club Razor Kit, sign up today and you're going to get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com. Use the promo code DMA. That's Athena, A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B.com. Use that promo code DMA to get 20% off. I think it's good that we have these different methods or these different books or these all these things that we have at our fingertips now. But we have to think even just 100 years ago, that was not, even 50 years ago, that was not the case. And as good, I mean, and I, I could even be part of the problem because I'm out there, you know, sharing methods, I'm sharing, writing studies, all of that, but we've got to see them not as this is the right way to study, or this is the best way to study. 
and back up and look at what's actually in scripture. There is no command in scripture that says, go have a quiet time. Yeah. There is no command in scripture that actually even says, go read the Bible. The commands are, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night so that you'll be able to go do it. I mean, that that's Joshua one. Then you've got the Psalms that talk about loving and craving God's word and honoring God's word and obeying God's word. And although I absolutely think something special and unique and amazing and that intimacy with God, it happens as we have our eyeballs on the pages of scripture. It also happens other ways too. And God knows our stage. And I think we have built up all these to-dos. I got to study this amount, this way, this time of day, all of these things that again, try to try to look at those things. Look a hundred years ago, look a thousand years ago, look back at the time of the Bible where women didn't even have a copy lot. I mean, most commoners didn't have a copy of the Bible. They got the Bible by showing up to the synagogues or, you know, back in the old Testament time, they not the synagogues, but it, anyway, <laughs> they, they, they got it in community. Yeah. They got it in community and there is very much through the oral individual, telling. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Through the oral telling. And so we can't turn something that's not actually in scripture into a rule, mm-hmm. um, though it's a good thing. I'm not going to say don't open your Bible, but don't feel guilt if you didn't open your Bible, because there are lots of other ways that you can get the word in you audibly, like you just said, listening to the word. And we downplay the importance of the community, the community around the word and how we experience God's word with us. Almost all of the New Testament commands around the Bible are communal. It's y'all, y'all do this, y'all do this, but we read it individually. Like I need to do this absolutely is a personal aspect to it, but I think we've elevated, maybe even turned it into a bit of an idol of my quiet time needs to be this way. So I feel better about myself. That's what it was. I, I went through the same thing that you just shared. Same thing. Started having kids. And it was like, I'm a minister of the gospel. I'm supposed to be telling people how to get in the word. And I can't get into it for myself. I was in college ministry at the time. And I felt so much guilt over that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I think we can transition. And like you said, we, we do isolate and we don't have that time where we're gathering and maybe it's an invitation. Maybe that's your, what your next baby step for this year is, is to consider how could I invite a couple women to meet me at the park. And we decide to talk about chapter, whatever of Ephesians. I mean, Mm -hmm. or just, you know, I think it's when I'm with women gathered together and we're talking about what God showed them from that scripture, not just like this echo chamber. I don't love those studies where we're all just saying the same thing, but when we're sharing stories of, okay, we just read this and this is true of God. This is a testimony of how I found that to be true in my life. And then that reinforces my friend's faith. And she's sharing, well, I'm struggling to believe this is true because X, Y, and Z. And we are reminding each other. We're continuing to gather mm-hmm. together like the early church. And so I think uh, maybe that's part of your experience is you've been in isolation studying God's word and you've been faithful to do that. But your next step is how could you gather? And yeah. so I think these are good questions to ask. Like, where am I? What is my commitment? Where, where have I been? am I new to mm-hmm. faith? And I don't even know how the Bible's structured. And maybe it's like a, you do a walk through the Bible, general overview kind of thing, like a Bible yeah. recap or, you know, listen to that podcast, or maybe you've been in it, but you haven't gone deep and you haven't 
learned things beyond the Jeremiah 29, 11 and John three sixteen, <laughs> And you're like wanting to know more context of what was going on and, and what is God's, you know, revealed plan in mm. his word. And so I think all of that is really helpful. When you talked about your Bible study Boulevard, what are the different steps so people can think about right now, as we're talking about experience and where they are, what would those different experiences look like? Well, the first step is believer. Uh, if you do not yet uh, know Jesus personally, it is a good idea to read the Bible. It'll teach you more about Jesus, but you can't really get closer to God uh, without first trusting in him as your savior and Lord. So it, it starts there. And there are so many supernatural things that happen in that moment that the Bible tells us about. We become a new creation, all of those things. And in that moment, when we come to Christ, there are new things that are true of us. And that is who we are. And we get to spend the rest of our life kind of Paul calls it working out our salvation. It's like when you move and all your stuff is in the house, like you've officially moved, but you have a lot of moving yet to do unpacking those boxes, putting things on the shelves, getting the forks out so you can actually use them and eat them. That is what we have. That's what we get to do for the rest of our lives is unpack our salvation. Then the next stage is the craver stage. And I experience this. I think a lot of people experience this where maybe they have been a Christian a while. Some, it comes right away. They become a believer and then they become a craver. But I spent a long time as a believer. I believed in Jesus and I was trusting in him for my salvation, but I just didn't really care to open the Bible. I just didn't have a craving for it. And then it was like something in me awakened. It was actually being a part of a community. And I thought I was this cool, good Christian. And I'm in this Bible study with these other women that, I mean, young, I was a freshman in college and they're talking about Jesus. Like they just had coffee with him. I was like, mm. oh, I'm missing something. I want that. Cause for mm. me, it was all doing do's and don'ts. So I thought it was doing good. And all of a sudden I realized, wait, maybe I don't have it right. And I craved that intimacy with God. I craved more time in the word. And so the craver is the initiation, I guess, of, I want to be in the word and I'm going to make this a priority. Um, the next after that is builder. You, we got to build the habit. We got to build the basics too. If you don't know the difference between new Testament, old Testament, don't feel ashamed. There's a lot of people that don't, but we assume individually. And I think we assume corporately as a church, we kind of just assume people know this by osmosis or something like just because you're a Christian, you know, how the Bible is organized. It's really helpful to understand the Bible's not chronological. It's not unless you go buy a chronological Bible, we read things, assuming it's just like any other book we're going to pick up. It's not. And so kind of getting some of those building the basics, go to your church, go to your pastor and say, Hey, I want to read the Bible. I want to start studying. And I don't really know what I'm doing. I can't find what I'm looking for somebody in your church, a leader. I mean, they are, there pouring out their lives for you. They will help you there. So reach out to somebody that you can get those Bible study basics. Of course, there's tons of online things as well. After we become a builder, building the basics, but also building the habit. So I think builders, you need like five day reading plan and showing up for five minutes and reading and, and let go of that paralysis of perfectionism that says, if I can't do it right, I'm not going to do it at all. Even though that right, as we've already said, is not biblical. It's just a construct that you've put on your mind that a quiet time needs to look like X, Y, and Z. So show up, build the habit, get the quick win, and then maybe move on to a 10 day reading plan. Uh, there's tons of apps out there that are free. Just get into the habit, figure out where the Bible can be a natural rhythm in your life. And it could be you're opening the word in the morning and reading it. And then 
as you're taking kids to school or as you're doing laundry or cooking dinner, you're listening to a podcast teaching on that passage or on a totally different passage. That counts, ladies. <laughs> that counts for time in the word. Okay. Just because you, again, just because you didn't have your eyeballs on the pages, we can get so much. Um, but just start building those rhythms, building the habit of getting the word inside of you, in your heart, in your mind. Then once we're in these, this rhythm, then I call you a flexor. This is where you're ready to start flexing your Bible study muscles. This is where you might pull out a colored pencil or two, or you might start underlining some things. You're going to start looking at those Bible study methods that are out there and figure it's a testing stage though. You are testing what works for how you learn. It's the same reason why we have different math than we did where, when I grew up, you know, (laughs) there's all these different things that I don't get because the original math worked just fine for my brain, but they're learning that it left a lot of kids behind, right? Because they didn't think linearly like I did. So there's different teaching methods. So if you are a teacher, this is going to be, or you have an education background, it's going to be very second nature to you. But part of that flex, flexing your Bible study muscles is you figuring out how do you learn and what helps you get into the word and, and see what you're, what you're doing there. And I've got several methods, um, lots of other methods that you can try out too. Then once you kind of have this rhythm of, okay, I'm studying and I think it needs to be incremental too. So you read for three or five minutes and then you just study for three or five minutes. This doesn't mean you dive now into one hour of study. <laughs> Baby yeah. steps are huge. Then the gainer. And that's where you can kind of get to that point of, okay, I've got a rhythm. I've got some methods that work for me. And now I'm going to, I'm going to add more to it. I'm going to start, maybe that's where we start looking up Greek or Hebrew or start doing all the cross-referencing and you can kind of add more and more to your arsenal of tools that will help you understand the Bible. Katie and I have been talking about, you know, the challenge of making time for what is important. Bible study. Another thing that I think as busy moms, we often put to the bottom of our list is looking good and finding clothes that fit. I mean, I think when you are going through having kids, sometimes your body can change over and over again and you look up and you realize, oh my goodness, my clothes are 10 years old. Well, I want to help you out with one great option. It's called Stitch Fix. Maybe you've heard of it, but they can help refresh your wardrobe with pieces that feel like you. What's great is there's a couple different options. One, you can go on and take their free style quiz and they can learn your preferences. You put in your sizes, your favorite colors, which you all know I got my colors done. So it's really important to me that I get clothes that are in my colors. So then a stylist will send you five pieces that fit with that style, your size, price range. There's no subscription required. And then you just keep what you like, try it on in the convenience of your home and you return the rest. There's also an option uh, that you can check out Stitch Fix freestyle. It's like an online shop, but they tailor it to your preferences and your style. So it's like having your own clothing store. There are brands you know and trust like Madewell and Sanctuary. It's time to get looks that are so you and easy for you moms. So get started today by filling out your free style quiz at stitchfix.com slash DMA. Take advantage of free shipping and returns. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA to try Stitch Fix. Stitchfix.com slash DMA. Okay, have y'all gotten your Valentine's Day gifts? If not, I want to tell you about a really fun option. I really, truly love this company. It's called Uncommon Goods. They have literally, and I 
don't say that word lightly, thousands of meaningful gifts that you cannot find anywhere. These are one of a kind, perfect for your one of a kind love. Hundreds that you can customize, whether it's, I was looking for a gift for Bruce and they have a money clip that you can get someone's handwriting in so I could write love you in my handwriting on the money clip. I also, don't tell him, he doesn't listen to this. I got him baseball map, like a map of the Astros, the Astro world. He's a big Houston Astros fan on a glass, like a little cocktail glass. I got him two of those. There's personalized art, jewelry, kitchen, home, bar. If you have a if you have a guy who likes to grill, there's great grill options or whatever. Whatever you you can search by what he's interested in. Go check them out. They're high quality. They're unique. They're handmade or made in the U.S. Super, super meaningful. With every purchase you make at Uncommon Goods, they give a dollar back to a nonprofit partner of your choice. And they have donated more than $2.5 million. So to get 15% off your next gift, go to uncommongoods.com slash DMA. That's uncommongoods.com slash DMA for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. And then the last one, even though it's kind of all along, is the leader. I believe every one of us can be a Bible leader. God called me to be a Bible leader that same freshman year that I had no idea. I was like, oh my gosh, these girls know so much more about the Bible than me. They talk, they, they know Jesus personally. Fast forward just a couple months. And the RA in my dorm room of a sixth floor dormitory at Auburn University knocked on my door and said, I want to see a Bible study here in this, in this dorm, but I can't lead it because of my job. Will you lead a Bible study? Now, for all I know, she'd already asked hundred people and they said no, but one way or the other, she came to me and I had no idea what I was doing, but that was God calling me to lead others in the word. And I did not have it all figured out. And only two or three people showed up, but that was still me Bible leading. Every one of us lead our kids. We are Bible leaders. And it's just a matter of pointing people to the word, pointing people to who Jesus is and what the word says about him. So it's not, you got to wait till you're a gainer to become a leader. Every one of us can be a Bible leader. So good. So good. And I think, you know, consider, think through those different stages that Katie just laid out and I think, okay, where am I in that? And ask God to show you and what's your next baby step to yes. move on from there. Um, I think sometimes we make excuses or create, I call them barriers to entry that it's just like this little teeny thing would get us over that barrier. Mm -hmm. So maybe for you, some of the controversy in the church in the last couple of years has just really disrupted your faith and your interest in things of God, because you're seeing just division and controversy. And you're like, Oh, I just want to stay far away from that. Well, God's word <laughs> uh, usurps all of that. Mm -hmm. And the church is full of people and people are sinners. And so yes. um, the enemy, of course, wants to keep you discouraged and mm -hmm. um, away from the truth. Maybe you see, like, like Katie said, there are so many resources and you just get in decision paralysis and you're looking like at the cereal aisle. There's so many different cereals. <laughs> like the, the gluttony of America, we have mm -hmm. so many options that we just don't pick one. 
And maybe it's your baby step is I'm just picking a Bible and picking it up and, or, you know, get the U version app. Just don't worry. There's so many translations and then there's on the controversy Mm -hmm. around translations. I don't know if you want to say a quick word. I did have people reach out to me about what translation should they read? And I remember growing up, I don't know for you, it was NIV all the way. And then it was like, no, you have to have the ESV. I think even David Platt bought him for his entire church. He's like, we're not reading anything unless it's ESV. And then that's now getting a bad rap. And I've seen NASB, which stands for, mm-hmm. I think, what is it? New American, New American Standard Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's study Bible around a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think just these are humans mm-hmm. translating other languages mm-hmm. and there are councils and there are decisions made on what to include and what not to include, but just take a second. We don't have to spend like forever on it because it's a big topic, but is there a translation you would recommend like today someone could pick up? I would say it depends on where you are on the Bible study Boulevard. Okay. 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 <laughs> I would say, I think the the short answer is use a bunch of them. And huh. the reason why is because, like through the app, because if you buy a bunch of them, that gets expensive. So, right. Yeah. Through the app or biblehub.com, you can look up a verse and it'll show you like 30 different translations. Now you don't need to do that every time you come to the Bible. And I think we all definitely enjoy having a Bible. That's our main translation. My main translation is usually ESV or CSB. They're similar. I grew up on the NASB in Christian school. And so I have some things still memorized, you know, just from Bible class. So I still enjoy that as well. But I think that if you are brand new coming to the Bible, the NAS, the ESV, the CSB, even ESV and CSB can be readable, but they're not as readable as something like the NIV or the new living translation, or even the message, which it gets a bad, bad rap too. It's not technically a translation because it's only by one per it's only one person's translation. It's a paraphrase. But the reason why I say use many is because I mean, this is going to sound obvious, but it was not obvious to me. I didn't, I just never thought about this. The Bible was not originally written in English. Okay. (laughs) So each of these translations are by teams of people that have spent their life studying Greek for the new Testament, Hebrew for the old Testament. And so There are some people that are out there that just, they don't trust the newer translations. Like, why do we need new translations? We need new translations because we're getting better at it. Not we, (laughs) not me. I don't know how to translate, but the people that are really good at this, it's scholarship that gets better and better and better each year. Also, it's not always a one-to-one relationship between words. So there are some words in, in Hebrew that there are no equivalent English words, which is why when you have lots of translations, you're going to see different words, which is why it's helpful to read more than one, because every time you read a different translation, it points back to the original word. So again, if you're a builder, just pick one new living translation is a great readable because each of these Bibles also have a different, slightly different purpose, depending on the publisher that's putting them out, they might have it as a goal to make it more readable than more accurate or more mm-hmm. precise. Accurate is not the right word because it's still accurate, but it's not as precise. The right. new American standard is very precise, but it's not very readable. Mm-hmm. So there's a spectrum of translations and it's just helpful to kind of pay. And if you don't know, ask a friend, ask a pastor, seek out the sages. Is what I like to say, uh, you don't have to make this decision on your own, but I also do like using several different translations because it, it helps us fill out the understanding of those words better. And then with 
when people are asking, should I get a study Bible or like the other journal Bibles that don't have as much commentary on them, but more space for you to write your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, I think a study Bible is really helpful. Uh, definitely by the gainer stage, if not earlier on, if you're in the builder stage and you've got a little bit more time, because it's not just about skill. It's also about schedule and brain width, you know? So if you're just like in the stage, I just got to show up and read, then just show up and read. But if you've got a little bit more, although I will say just like the chocolate, when you take a little bite, it's hard to not keep taking bites. Right. So I have found that when we do take bites, even when our schedule is crazy, we crave it. It's natural. It's, it's within us. It's part of our spiritual DNA to want to, to want God's word. And so the more obedient we are, the more we seek God, the more we'll have a bigger capacity for it. So even if your life is crazy, I think you will find that you'll start with five minutes and then you'll find a day where you look up and go, Oh my gosh, it's been 25 minutes. What happened? <laughs> like is the house burning down? So if you've got some extra time, a study Bible will be super helpful because it's like a little mini library there where, where it will give you things that will help you understand the context better things that will help you understand the history and those passages that the more we study the Bible, the better we can interpret the Bible. It's just a lifelong journey. And we've got to, again, manage those expectations. Just because you're a Christian, you are not going to come to the Bible and understand everything. It is a masterpiece. It's like going to the Iliad and anybody read the Iliad. I mean, I was so <laughs> like, what? I don't know what's going on. Even, yeah. even pride and prejudice. The first time I read it totally, yeah. so much stuff went right over my head yeah. because there's all this cultural stuff going on in there. Yeah. Talk about, yeah. When people yeah. are saying, we don't want to take a verse out of context, right? Like one of the goals of maybe Bible study is I do want to understand it a little bit more. So I don't draw conclusions that are incorrect. Like people have done in history, they've taken verses and they've, I think Hitler did that, which yes. didn't go well. Most, most, uh, bad people have <laughs> a lot of used to use scripture and still so, do today. Yeah. So we don't want to be those people who take a verse and clobber people over the head with a verse <laughs> and create a whole theology based on a verse. So what are some of the contexts that are good to consider? And again, yeah. this is maybe for someone further along in study, but I think a question we get a lot. I think the first step, even with context is realizing that, and there's a, there's a great book out there. It's by Randolph Richards. It's something, I don't know. Randolph Richards. We'll figure it out and give you the, the link, but he, <laughs> I love what he says. He says this again and again in his book, we got to figure out what goes without saying. Mm. So right now, if I say something like, man, 2020, I think we all get that right. We yeah. all know because we've been through it. What goes without saying 2020 was filled with all sorts of stuff. And we could go talk for hours about 2020. But all I said is, so 2020, how about 2020 or however I said, you know, like that goes without saying for us in our culture, someone 200 years ago would not understand that because they haven't gone through it. Or, or maybe even a thousand years from now, if someone has not paid attention to history and they don't know what happened in 2020. And the stories don't get told from yes, generation to generation. It. Yeah. So we have to figure out what goes without saying. And there, there's at least three ways that we can do that. One is looking at the literary context. When you go to read a verse, read before and after a little cheat that any one of us can do, even if you're uh, just starting out is to read the headings that came before it. And most Bible have headings. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of, you kind of get an idea for what is this person said already? 
when we come to the Bible at verse, you know, chapter five, verse three, it's like coming to a Netflix episode that is in season three, episode two. It's the same thing. These, these books are literary units. They're a complete work. So we need, if, if possible, start at the beginning of that book and read through. Um, if you are just wanting to look up this one verse and you have not read that that passage before you've not read that book before and you have time read that read read it or read those headings and so that's the literary context is understanding and there's certainly a lot of advanced things that you can get into there but as a basic level what is being already said yeah. just like Who's we don't like author? sound bites yeah. yeah just like we don't like sound bites in in the news where they take one sentence out of context not realizing that they were being sarcastic Right. We're going to take it. We're going to misinterpret it or a text, I, you know, yeah. a text misinterpret yeah. it all the time. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. The other thing is historical. And this is hard because I know I did not like history growing up and <laughs> I still neither. feel like yeah. I, I, I don't understand the Bible well because I don't know my history, but this is where a great study Bible will come in. Um, the Bible project videos are super helpful. They usually will help you see in history what's going on. But then environmental, and I think you started to say it about the author, who wrote it, who did they write it to, why was he writing it? And that's important. Every single word in scripture was done on purpose. These books of the Bible, when you think about the epistles, the the letters like Romans and Ephesians, these would have been to great cost time-wise and financially to to Paul or James or whoever was writing it. So we got to think about this is not just like a, I'm going to sit down on the computer and just type out a quick email. This would have taken weeks or months. There's a couple of letters that we think maybe were were written quickly because of the situation, but most of them were carefully. I mean, even then it would have been carefully crafted, but this is careful craftsmanship over time with great cost. So ask why, why did he write these words? Yeah. Why did he write it in the order that he wrote it? Why did he say this and not say that? And I think that general curiosity can help us. We may not get the answers right right away, but beginning to be curious and ask that question, why? Why is it this way and not that way? And again, seek the sages, get in a group where there's somebody that's a couple steps ahead of you that can help use the bazillions of things on the internet that can help us with context so that we can figure out what goes without saying, because it doesn't matter what the Bible means to each of us. We cannot figure out what the Bible means to us until we know what it meant to them. That's what matters most. What did it mean to Paul when he was writing it? And if we can figure that out, then we can better understand, oh, this is what it means to me. So good. Super helpful. And I want to connect gals to go further with you if they're needing, you know, some handholding or just. I think accountability when you're building a habit is super helpful. So um, we have a resource for everyone. If you are needing that accountability right now, can you tell them about that? Yeah, it's a five days to better Bible study challenge, and it's going to help you, especially builders. It's going to help you figure out a a rhythm for opening the Bible. Uh, It will also start you down the road of the actual house. And I do want to leave this here just to a how Bible study is basically just asking good questions. Yeah. And the question, what does this mean to me is a good question, but it's something one want to ask, ask on the tail end. So if you came to the Bible and only asked one question and you did this all year long, I really think this will revolutionize your time in the Bible. 
is ask the question, what does this teach me about God? And that's it. And that's, you just got those God glasses on all the time. What is being taught about God? Is there something that's being said about God? Does God do something? Does he say something? And that's what we'll do. We'll start looking at some of those peeling. It's, it's peeling back layers. And in the challenge, we'll, we'll practice that together. And it's worksheets and all that. And it's all stuff you can do in 15 minutes. It's great. Yes. I think, I think it was um, with the Bible recap. I had her on the show and she said, she felt this guilt. Like she hadn't read the whole Bible. She was doing ministry and she hadn't read the whole Bible. So she read it and she actually almost lost her faith because she came to the Bible at looking for herself in it. You mm-hmm. know, what does this have to do with me? What is my job? What am I supposed to do? And so she, she had a counsel from a sage, a wise person that she went to and they said, Oh no, go back <laughs> and look for God. God is yeah. where the joy's at. And so mm-hmm. looking for him, asking that question is super helpful. And I like to, and I put this in my chapter, one of my book is what's my part. What's God's part. Always. Mm-hmm. We, I think we overstep <laughs> and take on responsibilities that aren't ours Absolutely. because we put ourselves in. And so recognizing his character, his part, his plan. And, um, there's some, just so much comfort in that and what's under my control and what's not. And so mm-hmm. I think all of that's fantastic. We'll put links to that five days to better Bible study, um, challenge. I'd love tag me. If you decide to do it, let me know, um, on Instagram, Katie, we will put links to all of your contact info, but what's your main website that they can find you at katieor.me, K-A-T-I-E-O-R-R.me. Me. Yes. Me. I remember those days. Dot com was already taken. So, yeah. <laughs> I remember we were all Sounds like, what do selfish, we do? But yeah, what do we do? We all use that me. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you, Katie. You are such an important person in my life. I'm thrilled to get to share you with the gals and the guys who listen. And I hope you have a fantastic week. Awesome. You too. Thanks so much. It's an honor to be here and be a little part of what God is doing through you. Oh, you're sweet. Okay. So head over to the show notes. They're always at don'tmomalone.com. You can search, click on the podcast button and search for the episode or Usually the week this releases, it's the first one on the homepage and you can get links to all of the things and take that quiz, figure out where you are on the Bible study boulevard, remove the guilt and just take action. That's what I hope. And I really do, really do hope you join me in the five days to better Bible study course. Um, It's just a real quick way to kind of help that habit of being in God's word. We also put links to um, the Bible Recap and YouVersion app and the Bible Project. I saw such a great idea from my friend Kat Armstrong, who's been on the show a couple times. She said her son's allowance is a dollar for every Bible Project video he watches and then like either draws or does like a little summary and reports back to her. The Bible Project creates great summaries of books of the Bible or Hebrew words or themes. If you've never watched them, they're fantastic. It's a great way to get your kids involved um, and for you to learn too. If you're earlier in that boulevard, if you're trying to kind of sort out how the Bible's structured and what are these concepts that are being presented, it's a great resource. All right, I'm going to pray over us. Lord, I thank you that you are a God who reaches out to us. That unlike the gods in history who were condemning and 
fear to be feared in a way that was not relational. I thank you, Lord, that you reached down to us, that you spoke to men, that you gave us your words, that you laid out your plan for our rescue through Jesus, and that you invite us into relationship that we, through Jesus, can have access to your presence in us with the Holy Spirit, that we can commune with you, that we can connect with you, that you are not distant, but you are so close. And I pray, Lord, that in this year we would draw near, that we would be intentional to read your words, to study and know who you are and your character and find our firm centering and grounding in the truth of who you are outside of our circumstances. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you didn't know, every Monday, I send out an email with just some thoughts of what's going on in my week. I send the latest episode out. I put um, a link to the show notes in that. And then I also share what I'm loving, whether it's recipes or a gift for my kids, uh, usually something I haven't shared anywhere else. So if you want to get um, a little note from me on Mondays, go to Ola Heather, uh, Ola spelled with an H, like Heather, H-O-L-A, Heather. My parents used to live in Costa Rica, so we speak a lot of Spanish. Uh, com, and I'd love to connect with you that way. And meet me back here next week. I will be chatting with Trillia Nubel. She is an amazing author. She's done so much great work and I've never had her on the show and I'm super excited to get to talk to her. So meet me back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us, moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.